um, from Psalm 67 to begin with, and uh, then taking the second reading from Luke 17. So Psalm 67 can be found on the Church Bibles on page 581. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The lands yield its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Our second reading is from Luke 17, starting at verse 11. And that can be found on page 1051. Jesus heals 10 men with leprosy. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. That's the word of the Lord. Good morning. That's better. Okay, let's pray together as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we pray that your written word of scripture may now and always be our rule. Your Holy Spirit, our teacher, and your greater glory, our supreme concern, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Harvest, as we've been thinking about this morning, is a great time to take stock, to reflect, and above all, to give thanks to God for his countless blessings to us. And as we're thinking this morning through his gifts in creation, which enables us and others to have food on our tables to nourish and sustain us. But because God is a God of infinite variety, 
and overflowing with loving goodness, he hasn't left us with a bland diet, but given us access to a huge range of taste experiences, which ultimately is a foretaste of the heavenly banquet that is prepared for those that love and serve him. And in this country, as I'm sure everyone here will be aware, cooking has become a major preoccupation, with the shelves of bookshops heaving with tasty and inviting recipes, many, or perhaps most, linked to TV programmes. And over the past few years, personally, I've also become increasingly interested in cooking. And I take huge pleasure in preparing something that is at least edible. Although I have to confess that I do the equivalent of cooking by numbers. I'm sure you'll understand that. So I have great admiration when I see chefs who prepare really exciting and innovative meals. And at the moment, at home, we enjoy watching a program called The Great British Menu. Some of you may even be watching it for a while, I know. Which is a regional competition to find the chefs to cook four courses at the main annual banquet, which this year is to celebrate the 70th anniversary of the NHS. And the theme running through all of the programmes is very simple. Ultimately, it's one of blessing. That the banquet should be a blessing to all those whose work is such a blessing to others. A few years ago, we discovered this leaflet. It's called Poems in the Waiting Room which is exactly what it says. It's poems for you to read, to make you think while you're waiting for this appointment. And one particular one caught my eye, which I'd like to share with you this morning, and it's called The Benediction. The Lord be with you, the meter reader said as he left, his face young and radiant. I took the blessing. I took the blessing onto the bus, flying along the bus lane, looked around at the other passengers and knew we were all forgiven. I took the blessing for a riverside walk beneath a sky of faultless blue. I took the blessing into the coffee shop where you were punctual and sober. The waitress frothed her heart up to my cappuccino. Do you like your heart, she whispered as she passed our table, no trace of irony. For the first time in a long time, a day held possibilities beyond itself. I took the blessing, which is really what we're thinking about as we celebrate harvest. And it was the desire of the psalmist in Psalm 67 that we've heard, read to us, as he led the people in the temple worship. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us. 
And when they said those words, they were clearly intended to remind people of Moses' words in number six, when he said to the gathered people, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. For in that way, God would bless his people Israel and he continues to bless his people today. Which is why the psalmist called the people to give thanksgiving and praise. And traditionally, the priest blessed the people every morning after the sacrifice in the temple. Each priest would raise their hands with the palms facing downwards and the thumbs of the outstretched hands touching. The four fingers on each hand are sometimes split into two sets of two fingers each. And thus they formed the Hebrew letter Shin, an emblem for Shaddai, a name for God. And according to the Jewish tradition, as they did so, the divine presence would shine through the fingers of the priests as they blessed the people. Isn't that such a lovely idea? And it's very important to note that the Lord does not command the priests to bless the people using their own words, but he provides the exact formulation for the blessing prefacing the instructions with these words, this is how you are to bless, and ending with these words, so they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. For this highlights the important fact that the blessing comes from the Lord himself, and the priests are but the means of transmitting his gracious will. And as we look at how they are to bless the people, we can see that the blessing is in three parts. And it's known as the three-in-one blessing. Each one contains two elements of benediction, and the verses in the Hebrews get progressively longer. The first has three words, the second five, and the third has seven. And it has been suggested that this is because in Hebrew, three plus five is the number of grace, while seven marks completion. And the threefold repetition of the divine name Yahweh is for emphasis and to stress that to repeat something three times is to say that it is perfect. Under the terms of the Old Covenant, only the descendants of Aaron were able to convey the blessing of God to the people of God. But we live in the era of the New Covenant, when the, all the followers of Jesus 
and made part of the chosen people to be, as 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And since God is the only true blesser, it seems reasonable to assume that Jesus prayed the priestly blessing over his disciples, but he would have done it in the first person. So Jesus would have said, I bless you and I keep you. What an awesome experience that must have been for those closest to him. So when these beautiful words are spoken, what is it that's being prayed for? For when God blesses, he is giving of his very best. To his first hearers, this blessing was identified with physical blessings, with children, with crops, with long life, and the assurance that he would be with them every step of the way on their journey to the promised land. And so in that spirit, the psalmist gave thanks for the harvest as the promised land yielded up its abundance for them. But in reality, it goes well beyond that as it involves every single part of our being. And we shall see that the blessing is divided up into three couplets. The Lord bless you and keep you. Blessing is the positive side, which is balanced by God's keeping. This isn't to do with God's good provision, but is guarding us from harm, for protection from the consequences of evil. We can see from the Old Testament accounts how God sought to preserve his people in spite of their regular waywardness and disobedience. But through the words of the prophets, God sought to reassure his rebellious people that he only wanted the very best for them, that he wanted to bless them and to keep them. And he still does. His desire is to pour out the abundance of his goodness on us and for all those who trust him and for us to take him at his word. There is his promise that in the end he will ensure our eternal safety. For as Paul says in Romans 8, we know that in all things God works for the good of those that love him. So secondly, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. There are some people who have such a warm and radiant smile that we say that it lights up the room. And when that smile is directed at us, it makes us feel great. We glow within and we feel special. Well, just think that the person smiling on you, for this is personal, that the person smiling on you is God himself. 
who wants to reassure us of his love for us and his desire for the very best for us. As a parent loves a child, God longs to show how much he loves us. This is why we can affirm that he will be gracious to us. He longs to pour out his grace, his undeserved favour on us. It's such a lovely picture. The thought of God's face lighting up with a smile as he thinks about each one of us, of him looking at us with the kind of love and grace that we've never truly, fully experienced before, which should prompt us to want to throw ourselves into his arms and abandon ourselves to his awesome love for us. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. For the Hebrew, to say you were turning your face towards someone meant you were giving them your full attention. Therefore we are saying here that God is giving us his full attention. He is saying to each one of us, you matter. He loves you. He smiles on you. He pays attention to you. And he wants the very best for you. In fact, God cares so much that he wants to give us his peace, his shalom, as Hazel was talking about earlier, which has such a much deeper meaning than our word peace. For us, it can mean just an absence of conflict or just an absence of noise. Oh, we'd like a bit of peace and quiet. But God's shalom signifies complete well-being of body, mind and spirit. It is about being as God originally intended us to be. And it is what Jesus meant when he told his listeners that he'd come to bring them life, life in all its fullness. And to stress how serious God was about this, Jesus died on the cross to make this peace a reality. We began by thinking with the words from that poem, I took the blessing. And when we think about it, we realise that it can be understood in two ways. I receive the blessing, I share the blessing with others. And that is the order it needs to be. Before we can bless others, we first need to take the time to receive God's blessing, to so soak it up that it becomes part of us. The ten lepers in our Gospel reading had been richly blessed. Just for a moment, try and imagine what their situation would have been like. In the culture of the time, they would have been total outcasts, utterly ostracised, cut off from family, 
friends and community. And even perhaps worse than that, considered to be ceremonially unclean, unable to have any human contact except with those similarly afflicted. It must have felt like a life sentence. So when Jesus responded to their cry for help and met them at their very deepest point of need, imagine the joy. It must have been overflowing and overwhelming. For once they'd been to the priest to authenticate their healing and get their certificate, they could return home and resume their lives, rejoin the community. They were, in effect, reborn. Yet, of the ten, only one came back to give thanks, and he was a foreigner. Jesus expresses his surprise at the behaviour of the other nine, all of whom were Jews, whose very name reminded them to praise God. For the word Judah in Hebrew means praise. But if we're completely honest with ourselves, is our first reaction to give thanks? Or would it be more like perhaps one of the nine? And this is a reminder, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, to always give thanks to God the Father, listen, for everything. For he is the Lord of all and giver of all things. He is before all things and in him all things hold together, as Tim was reminding us last Sunday. There is an old spiritual discipline of listing one's blessing, naming them before God and giving thanks. And it is thanks that is the key here. Developing an attitude of thankfulness in all circumstances, which enables God to bless us so that we can bless others others. And then we can say in in fullness, I took the blessing. And at its core is Eucharistia, the Greek word for thankfulness, which Jesus used at the Last Supper. He took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it, and he gave it to them. He took the bread. Even the bread of death, as he knew what awaited him, and what did he do? He gave thanks. And as he did so, he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For Jesus knew what we were like which is why he told his disciples to remember. And this remembering has been God's pattern from the beginning of his relationship with his people. 
the psalmist looked back to the promised land for God's good provision after the exodus. And Israel was constantly exhorted to look back and see where they'd come from, to remember God's promises and his faithfulness, the God who will never leave them or forsake them. The Samaritan, the leper, the Samaritan, in his joy at his healing, made thanking Jesus his first priority. Before he entered into the blessings that his healing would bring him. Would we, would I, have done the same? Are we thankful in all circumstances? Do we live a life that is rooted in thankfulness to God for all his blessings? It is often as if we're on a long straight road and we look back into the rear view mirror and we see where we've come from. And it is then that the penny drops and we remember that all the way through God has been with us. Originally, the service which we now call Holy Communion was known as the Eucharist, as it highlighted the centrality of thankfulness to God for who he is and what he has done through Jesus. In a moment, we're going to come to receive the gifts of bread and wine. And as we do so, let us do so with thankfulness, remembering God's blessings showered upon us so that we can take the blessing and be a blessing to others. Amen.